Just raise your hand. I'll, give you, I'll let you get away with that today. Just raise your hand. Okay. Okay, that was decent. All right, so if your hand's up, you qualify. And uh, so uh, come hang out. Do this. Anybody have a Bible? Y'all never cease to amaze me with y'all excitement for the, for the Word. And uh, if, if you have a Bible, this is what we're going to encourage you to do right now. Take it, open it up to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, chapter 20. Book of Luke, chapter 20. Turn in your Bible or on your uh, electronic choice app, whichever one it is you have today. And uh, go to Luke, chapter 20, verses number 9 through 15. Verses number 9 through 15. And uh, as today, we, um, we unpack another parable. We've been in this series for a few weeks now. I believe it's about week five. And we've been looking at some of the parables that Jesus taught and uh, really just trying to get these red letters off of this, these pages into our heart, learn what we can from these scriptures. And uh, man, it's been amazing hearing really some, some great testimonies of how this, the word of God is changing and, and drawing people closer to him. So uh, today we're going to look at one. And I, I believe... I hate to put any other parable above another parable, but this is probably going to be maybe the most important thing we ever talk about in this church today. Matter of fact, it is. This parable today is going to probably be the most important thing we ever talk about in this church. So I got your attention. Some of you are listening today, not, not snooze on me, not fall out. So uh, stay with us. Verses 9 through 15, it says this. It says, um, <clears throat> then he began to tell the people this parable, that he is in this, in this is Jesus, Jesus speaking in red letter, if you have that edition. It says, a certain man planted a vineyard, leased it to vine dressers, and went into a faraway country for a long time. Now at vintage time, which is harvest time, it's the season when they begin to reap and, and get back, you know, from the things they had planted. He sent a servant to the vine dressers that they might give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the vine dressers beat him, sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent another servant, and they beat him also treated him shamefully, and sent him away empty-handed. And again, he sent a third, and they wounded him also and cast him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Wow, this is, this is good today. I will send my beloved son. Probably they will respect him when they see him. Verse 14 says, but when the vine dressers saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying that this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. And the question is asked, therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? Let's pray, and let's talk about it for a minute. God, I thank you today for your word. I pray, God, that our hearts would be open, Lord, today to it. And I, I pray, Lord, that you just give us just a uh, true revelation of what this scripture is saying, what this passage is teaching us, and Lord, what you want us to learn from it. God, let our hearts be open to that today. God, use me as your vessel. God, I pray that you would just speak through me today. Lord, let those who hear today be open to the, to the uh, true word and to the meaning behind it, God. And Lord, we just want to just take a moment and just thank you as, uh, as our good Father who loves us. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you for this word today, God, and uh, just for the opportunity, Lord, just to get together in fellowship with other believers, to worship you, Lord. And I just pray, God, today that if there be anyone in this room that's not in a personal relationship and a walk with you, that today that will change. This will begin a new day for them, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit draw those who need that. And God, I pray, Lord, once again, Lord, for who you are, for your grace and love, God. We want to recognize that always, make your name known. And God, help me to do well in this scripture today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Uh, this, 
This series we've been on, again, it's called The Parable. As we've been unpacking and looking at the stories of Jesus, we take this, this parable, which is a small story that has this big idea with it. I mean, there is a, and sometimes you'll just kind of read through a small story and not be open and really listen and let the Holy Spirit lead you to what that big idea is. I, I know sometimes we just kind of read through stuff. Uh, Caleb, our, our first grader, is, um, <clears throat> is learning to read, and, and it's pretty neat. Uh, you know, you can tell, like, as he reads the these stories that he's not really getting what the story's about. He's working on what just that word is. I mean, you know, it is the cat ran into the house. It did. You know, and so sometimes you just kind of go through it and at the end of the story, you ask him and he, he don't really know. And I think sometimes we do that with scripture. We just kind of run through it so we make ourselves feel better that we read the Bible that day and we, we kind of jump into stuff. But as we unpack this thing today, I really hope that you'll be open to all the scripture showing us as we look at the parable today. This one is, um, it has, I found out as I was studying, preparing for this, several names for this, this parable. Um, I have found that to be the case in all the others, some, you know, with various names. But in this parable, one of the, the names for it is called the wicked vine dresser. Uh, one of them is called the wicked tenants. Uh, it's, it's known as the wicked husbandman. And I also found it to be known as the murdered son. And that's what I want to kind of label this today. So just for reference sake, if you ever go to our website, if you go to our podcast, if you direct somebody towards this message uh, today, direct them to this, the one that says the murder son. And uh, so for sake of reference, that's what this will be today. But this parable today gives us a glimpse, unlike any other parable, I believe, in the view of how God looks at and begins to view humanity. Now, this is going to be tough today. I, I, again, I really hope we'll be, our hearts be open to this but, and somehow try to grab this. With our feeble minds that about, I don't know, I think I heard about three pounds or so is what we average in the brain area, and we're using about three ounces of that, maybe I, whatever it is. But, you know, in our, in our small minds, the most we can get from that is, is not, not the, you know, the greatest sometimes. But through the Spirit, I pray we'll be open today to what he's trying to teach us. Uh, in this parable, um, let's just take for a moment, let's just look at some of the characters in this. Uh, one of the things we, we look at in a parable, we want to answer the questions that may be asked. We want to look at uh, what may be being posed and how we respond to it and what we're supposed to do with it. We see some of these parables are contrasts, some are comparisons, some are metaphors. Some of these things that are being told are trying to get us to a place of understanding nonetheless. And so that's what I want us to get to today. Let's just look today at a couple of the characters. First of all, there's this landowner. All right, and so again, you creative types that I've talked about who love, you know, the theater, the drama, and these types of things. I hope you'll begin to get the visuals as we discuss this and, and lay this out. And those who are not somehow will understand that this is a, this is God's word being opened up to us. But you have this landowner. The landowner is the planter. The Bible says of the vineyard. He owns this. He owns this entire piece of land. Um, he owns this this actually ground that he created. He brought this land, brought it out. He planted the vineyard. Vineyard, and then he done this. He, he blesses this and allows someone to come on it. But this landowner, I believe, as we look at the scripture and every commentator, every, everyone that I believe, and I, it's very true, they believe this to be God. This landowner is God. This is, this is God the Father. This is God the Father who, who created the entire earth. He created everything. Today, I want you to understand this. If you're in this room today, God created you. Some of you sometimes don't understand that and see that, and maybe you feel like you're here by an accident or you're on this earth and you're still struggling, wondering what you're supposed to do with your life, and you, and you think it was an accident or a mistake. I want you to know that God created you. God, the Bible says, created the heavens and the earth with a span of his hand, and with a spoken word, he said, let there be. 
Man, that just is incredible to think about this big God who speaks and things happen. Oh, man, ain't that cool? Who says stuff and he says, let it be, and there was. I mean, I'm so glad my God don't have to have a meeting with anybody. He don't have to call a session together. He don't have to get together and wonder whether or not he wants to bless or wonder whether or not he wants to create or do. He he just by himself alone is a sovereign God. He sovereign reigns. He completely reigns. There's no other God like him. And so this big God, this landowner, creates this piece of land. And then then the story also says that he's a father. So just kind of let that set up for a minute. So you have this landowner who is, I mean, who owns it all. He owns it all. I, I think sometimes we think we own it all. I think sometimes we think we're it. This is my body. This is my life. This is my finances. This is my time. No, God owns it all. We don't breathe in and breathe out without him. I don't care how great a shape you're in. You can run a marathon. I tell you, without the Holy Spirit breathing life into you and breathing, you cannot make it. We have to understand the fullness of how big this is. This is God. But he's his father. Now, that's where the struggle comes in for us sometimes because that is tough to grasp. That this big God who created the heavens and the universe, created me and you, is a father. Wow. Some people struggle with that because they didn't have a good relationship with their father. Some people had a bad view of what a father is, and so sometimes they bring that view of their daddy and their father into their relationship with God, so they miss truly who the father is supposed to be. And today, one of the things I keep telling our men, and every time we get together, we want to look at how God the father represented and how he did and, and how the son came forth, and we want to love our families that way. We want to do these things. I'm getting this father. Wow, just, I don't know, just sometimes I don't think we see him as father. Even Christians, even believers who know the scriptures, who spend time, we still try to sometimes look at him as this being on this big throne, but we can't have this relationship. A father is someone that we have this relationship with, we can go to, talk to anytime who we should. If he's a good father, we should have this relationship with him. And this big father, this big God created the earth. He created the heavens and the earth, and he created you. He created you today for his glory. That's awesome. He created you today for his glory. He has a plan. And this big father, this big God created this land. It says he created this vineyard. And I believe one thing I love about the scripture is, I believe as you look at the scripture, it is speaking specifically to this group of people. As you look at this and open this up, this is a Sanhedrin. This is a court of people. This is a group of like religious folks who thought they had everything together, who the Lord is trying to speak to them. And he's talking to them about the nation of Israel. He's talking to them specifically about this vineyard. But the Bible amazes me that even something that happened thousands of years ago is still applicable to our life today. Right now, this story still applies to our life. And when we begin to see that this big God created this vineyard, created the earth, created your life, created your piece of the world that you live in today. He owns it all. And then he did this. He allowed vine dressers or tenants to come in and be a part of this story. Because here's the deal. Remember, he owned it. When you own something, you 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 in charge of that thing. And he did. He, he allowed, this is cool, that he allowed the vine dressers, he allowed these people to come onto his property to take part in his goodness, to take part in his greatness. He allowed them to come on. And again, they, they're known as vine dressers, as tenants. It's like a renter. 
When you own a piece of property and then you rent that property to someone, this is what the case is. You still have ownership. Even though they rent the property, you still own it, and as a good renter, what you're supposed to do is pay your rent. This is what you're supposed to do. I mean, yeah, again, that's just part of the process. You probably sign some lease. You probably sign some type of documentation that says that when it's due on this day, you give this amount of money. It's just what happens. It's just what's supposed to take place. So like any situation, God did this. He created this vineyard. He owns it all. He put the, the, the vine dressers on it. He put the tenants on it. And then he says there's a time, there's a season when you give back, and then you, you, you show an appreciation. You show back into what the plan is. You give back to the one who owns it. But remember, sometimes it's very easy for us to do this and get in this mindset, well, this is mine. This is my life. No, hold on. He's the owner. We're the tenant. We're the vine dressers. We're the ones he put in this story right now and allowed to be a part of this thing. And so what he does is God does this in the story. And the parable is so cool. Again, you have this one who does this. And then he begins to send his servants to go and receive and collect the fruit that should be due to him. Now, we've talked about in these parables already about <clears throat> how to bear good fruit and all these things that are there. This is kind of a bigger picture of that. He sends his servants to go forth. In the Old Testament, originally, this is talking about the prophets. These are the ones who go forth and prophesy and speak to nations. And, and they do these things that are just, I mean, that literally coming against the world mentality. And it's very similar today as pastors and those who are coming against the world concept and this new world order and the things that are faced today. You have a prophet that is speaking forth these things. Things. And a prophet was not something everybody was signing up for. I mean, you look at the scriptures, man, and, and when the scripture starts talking about that, you know, that he ordained Jeremiah to be a prophet to the nation, Jeremiah didn't want it because he didn't want what came with that. You know, I mean, literally, you, you have Jonah who was called to be a prophet and go speak forth to a nation, ran from it because normally death comes with that. Normally, ugly things come along with that, and this gets very difficult. I think it's a lot like minister today. Sometimes as a minister, as a prophet, as someone who's speaking forth the word, sometimes it's not always pretty. Sometimes it's not always ugly. Some people want to string you up. Oh, man, I feel it. Amen. I feel the love. And, and just, I mean, and they want, to, they want to do this too. They don't always accept this, and it's what happened here. So this, this landowner, this God, sends servants. And these servants go into the land, and they say, here's what the thing is. This God who owns it all, he wants to receive today from his land. Hmm. I just let it sit for a moment. He wants to receive today from his land. And what do they do? They take the servant and they beat him. The Bible says he goes back, he sends another servant, they beat him. Some of the translations say they stoned them and, and they wore them out and they sent them back and, and they, 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 he would do, he'd do it again. He would send another one to them. This happened and it went on for several times and I begin to think, man, look at the situation. It's a lot like today. God sends people into our life to share the good news with us, to tell us the gospel, to share the word of God with us and sometimes we just reject that. Even as people who come to this church weekly, maybe come on occasion, we come in sometimes and we can hear the scriptures and we hear what God says to do and we look at the, the promises that are in here and what we can have, but we still reject it. We, st we, don't, we don't look at the scripture and say, man, it says that. Let me just walk in that. No, we reject it. And then I just I begin to think, in this story, I feel this, and again, I've, as I studied this, I believe it to be true, we're the tenants. That's us in the story. 
Um, I, I believe we're the ones who God has allowed to come into this earth, be a part of this world that he's created. I believe he wants to receive back what he's done. And, and the fruit, I believe he wants to receive the fruit. I, I believe that even the scripture says that Jesus went forth and gave his life. And, and, and as, a, as, as an example, as a grain of wheat would fall into the ground and die, what would happen is that death would bring back more fruit. It's what happened for us. And so us as tenants, God has given us on occasion over and over and over time to respond to the messages being spoken. And sometimes we just reject that and just look at that. And then, and then this is just where it all for me just begins to get a, little, just get a little wild. All right, so you have a landowner who owns the land. He, he's the landlord. This is his stuff. He sends somebody out to get his reward, to get what should come to him, to get what is rightly his that he gave and created and designed, and he has the right to do this. And then he does these things. Nothing comes back to him. And for me, if I was a landlord, y'all don't even, some of y'all know how, know how I am. Y'all know what I carry with me. Y'all know that 12 gauge is, is, is one good shrub. I mean, just come back busted through the door, and here I am. You owe me something. Aren't y'all thankful I'm not God? Praise the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. I'm so thankful. I'm thankful you're not God. I really am. I'm so thankful. Praise you, Jesus. Thank for not making them God. But, but sometimes we think we are. And the world revolves around us, but it doesn't. But this landlord who does this, then the story gets crazy. Because that's what I would do. And in the story, the scripture says he sent all of these, these servants who kept getting wore out. And then when it's all said and done, he sends his son a minute. Are you serious? You have this father, this landlord, this owner sends his son. And I love the, the wording that the Bible uses, that Luke uses here. He said, this is his beloved son. Wow. You have a guilty, thieving, lying, deceitful group of people who don't respond and recognize to the gift that you've placed into their life and don't respond to that gift and you send your son? Wow. Hold on, man. I've got two sons. And, and to, to think about putting them in that situation that these other servants just came out of, they were beaten, they were rejected, they were, they were cast down, some stone even killed... And then you're going to do this? You're going to send your son in that situation? Wow. Uh, what, if, what if today that was you, just for a moment? What if today for a moment you were the landowner? Would you do that? Would you, would you send your beloved son into this thieving, lying, messed up group of people who you allow to be a part of your land? Would you send your son for that? Because we're the tenants. We're the vine dressers. That's us. And the landowner says that he did this. He sent his son. Because here's the truth. We all needed the son. Wow. That's for us. Because the Bible says this. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Look at that scripture for a moment. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Wait a minute, Pastor. Does that mean if I'm in this room today, that's me? Absolutely. 
Every person in this room, regardless of your nationality, regardless of your, 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 your amount of money, regardless of your social status, regardless of what you wear, where you go to church, where you live your life, where you do your, your work, today, every person in this room, we have all sinned and we have all fallen short of God's glory. Every one of us have been those tenants. Every one of us today, I still believe that we still are those tenants. We are in that place where we have to understand that God's allowed us to come into this thing. And that today is us. And he did this, sent his son. Now, in the story, if you study this, it's pretty neat. There's a lot of cool stuff in the scriptures. As you study out the nation of Israel and what happened, this went on for thousands of years. The prophets coming to the nations and speaking forth the message of truth and the prophets coming forth and declaring the, the way of God. This went on for thousands of years. So this is the kind of picture that shows me this is a loving father. This is a, gr a graceful God. This is a God who is very, I believe, very patient with us. Sometimes we get frustrated and we're like, man, God is this way or God is that way. God is a loving father who is very patient because I wouldn't do that. Some of y'all know how impatient I am. Some of y'all know it. I just sometimes would just stop and do something right then in that moment because I just, I don't know, I can't wait, man. I planted some grass seed in my backyard, I mean, seven days ago. And man, I mean, it takes seven days before you even start seeing it. Every day I've been out there moving hay out of the way, sliding a straw to the side. Some of y'all like that? Oh, man, I hit somebody. And just, and just look, if, it ain't supposed to be here yet, but I'm ready for it. I, get the, I had the, the, the sprinkler turned upside down. I mean, wow, I'm going at it, man, getting me some water on the ground because I, I want to see that grass, man. I want to see that thing come forth because I'm impatient. But this picture here is this God who's loving. He's patient with us. Some of you today, God has been patient with you. You may have spent your entire life. I don't even know what your age is. You may be 8, 18, or 80. But today, the Holy Spirit has done this. God has been patient with you and allowed you to come in and today be in this room and hear this message of this loving Father who gave a son to die for you. And I'm so thankful that he's patient with me. I know how, how much of an idiot I can be sometimes. Oh, man, I understand how man, jacked up. Some of y'all triple my terminology, man. But just, man, my life is, but he's patient with me. And some of you today, he has allowed you, and, and you may have heard this message many times and rejected it. Today, you may be hearing it for the first time. That this big God who owns it all sent his son and came, and the scripture says that he died. They killed him. They killed him. I mean, man, what a picture. And, and as Jesus is telling this story, this is what's amazing. He is just a few days from Jerusalem. He is just a few days from getting ready to get up on a cross and give his life for us. I was talking to somebody the other day, and we were talking about those movies nowadays. You're seeing a lot more of them that are based on a true story. And don't that do something to you, man, when you start watching some of these movies like Fireproof or Contagious or The Grace Car. Some of these things that you're watching these movies and you're seeing these things that are based on the true story. You talking about based on a true story? Jesus is up telling the story of his life. 
He's basically telling them what he's getting ready to do. He's getting ready to come into this place, and he's getting ready to die on a cross for these landowners. He's getting ready to die in this place. He's getting ready to surrender it all for them. And man, it's just this continues to just amaze me when I'm so so when I see this. I'm just so thankful for what he's done for us. And he's very patient. It's very patient. Again, this happened for, forever, and this thing went on for thousands of years. But it will one day, this is the truth, it will one day cease for each of us. We don't hear this much in church anymore. We don't hear this enough anymore. That one day, this God who's loving and graceful and who is so peaceful and so patient and so trustworthy. Man, we, on Wednesday night, we had this study and we started naming some of the attributes of God and it was just so cool. They start hearing this stuff. But one day, all that's going to cease. And let's look at what happens. Let's, let's look at verse 15. He's telling this story, and he says that they cast him out of the vineyard and they killed him. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? Here's what will happen. He will come and destroy those vine dressers, and he will give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, certainly not. Oh, no. Certainly not. Oh, no, surely that's not the case. Because I, there's, there's no way this big, this father, this loving father, this loving God, no way he's going to do that. Now, God is this way. He has a will. Scripture's clear on his will. It's God's will today that each of us come to a place of repentance and that we surrender our life to Jesus. That's God's will. Here's the facts. That won't happen. Everyone won't bow that knee now. They will one day. Everyone won't do it now. But one day this will happen. And he says this, that he'll destroy them, and then he'll give this to those who are willing to receive it. Now, we're living in a time today, and it's a very sad world, I think, that we're living in. And it's tough, and it's more than ever, as we shared last week. This dark world, it's time for the light of the God to shine through us. Man, this is the opportunity for this to happen. But today, we're living in a world now where even pastors are saying, Pastors of evangelical, supposed to be churches of thousands of members are saying and writing books and making statements that there's not even hell or we won't go there for eternity. Nobody will do that. This loving God wins out in the end and his love will do this for us. And there's no way he will do that. Certainly not. Wow. Certainly not. Not this. You're talking about this loving father who loves him, who owns this land and sent his son. Surely this God won't do that. And we sometimes sit back and we get in our minds, I can't believe God would do that. I can't believe he would send someone to hell. Here's my understanding I'm struggling with. I can't believe he lets us into heaven. I'm serious, man. I'm, I mean, it, it is simply in, in because of the loving grace of God that any of us were able to enter into the place of heaven. And that's what amazes me. That's what blows my mind to think about. He's going to let me into heaven. But some of us look back and we so certainly he won't do it that way. Um, yeah, he will because of the scripture. And it goes on to say that he will come and destroy those vine dressers and he give the vineyard to others. Verse 17 says, then he looked at them. Oh, man, think about this for a moment. He's really wanting to make sure that they understand he's talking to them. Okay? He looks, again, these stuff, just little things sometimes we miss. He looked at them. 
I want you to see it. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at, directly into your eyes. I'm looking at you. And he says, he looked at him. He says, what then is that was written? He said, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And as I was looking at this, uh, <clears throat> one of the commentators was telling about uh, of, of the scriptures, and there's some great commentary. I encourage you to read commentaries and do that, but also let the Holy Spirit lead and speak it to your life. But one of the commentaries was talking about an actual story that had been passed down, but as they was building the temple, and in, 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 this, in this day, as they were building the temple, they would take this, they would take the stones, and they would put these stones one upon another. And I'm telling you, it's amazing some of the things they accomplished. I mean, if you look at some of the architecture and things that are there, and they didn't have the machinery and the stuff that we did, it's just amazing. They would take these stones, and they would place them upon another. And, it, and the story goes like this. One day there was a stone that didn't just seem to be just right. It was this stone that, that the builders looked at and they said, no, this is not going to work for what we're building. And they take this stone and they set it aside. And they go forth and they start trying to build this temple their way. Man, who's that sound like? And we're going to do this. We're going to take this stone and we're going to set it over to the side and then we're going to build our life our way. And this goes, goes remember, this is my life. That's right. This is mine. It's my money. This is my life. This is my time. This is mine. But this is what I'm going to do. This is still a pretty cool stone. So I'm not going to dispose of this stone. I'm going to set this stone over here to the side and begin to build. And as they built the temple, they realized, wait a minute, this thing's not going to be supported. As, we begin to, as they begin to put together and build this temple, they begin to realize that, wait a minute, we need that stone. Remember that one we rejected? Man, we need that. And the story goes on and said they took this stone, and this stone had been set aside and not used. This stone was the one that was placed back in. It was made the chief cornerstone. It was made the central focus, and everything else was built around that. That temple was built around that stone. I believe it's the picture it's supposed to be of our life. And for so many times, we do this. We want to build our life our way. And I know this is heavy. This is Bible. And we want to try to somehow just take this, and where it will fit Put that stone in. I'm going to tell you this. If you try to build anything without a good foundation, it will not last. It will fail. It will not last. If he is not the chief cornerstone, if he is not the focal point, if he's not the one who has come in in the foundation of our life, one day this will happen for us. It will fall. It will fail. So what's that mean? As pastor, how's this church going to be built on the chief cornerstone of Christ? You want to build a family? Don't do this. Don't say, well, we're going to have kids. We're going to do this. We're going to get a job. We're going to get a life. We're going to get a picket fence. We're going to do our thing. And then we're going to have Jesus kind of be this part of this thing. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to have a, I'm going to do, I'm going to have a business and I'm going to do this. And then I might even some way, somebody, if anybody asks, I'm going to say, it's a Christian business so I can kind of appeal to that group. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to school, young people, and if I'm with a certain people who are Christians, then I'm going to do this. I'm going to let him be the cornerstone. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to live my, I'm going to go to the water cooler, and it depends on who's at the water cooler. It depends on what I say. We go to the coffee pot, and we get in our coffee, and you know, if it's a certain person, you're going to you know, go in this direction. If it's another person, you're going to go in this direction. And some of us are even thinking, we're like, man, oh, good Lord, he's been watching me at work. I've been watching your work. I just know how life is, man. 
But what if this was the case? What if he was a chief cornerstone? What if life revolved around him? We think it's so crazy and it's so it's weird. When we talk about, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Some people say, man, you know, they can't believe. Man, I can't believe we go to church every week. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Man, I was talking to my friends and I told them that we tithe. You serious? You give timbers? Are you nuts? Yeah, I'm nuts, man. You know why? Because he's the chief cornerstone. Because he owns everything. He owns it all. He owns everything. And then, and then he wants us to simply do this. He wants us to recognize him as the landowner, submit our life to him, accept this gracious gift that he's done. And this is what Jesus is for us. That's what he is for us. It's what he's done in our place. And so many times we want to look for other things. That, one of my favorite scriptures is Matthew 6, 33. It says to do this. It says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. Hear that for a moment. Seek first the kingdom. He'll add all the other things. But so many times we do this. We seek the things. God, come on, help me. We seek the things. We spend our time seeking after everything other than the kingdom of God. And then we want to do this. We want to seek the, seek the thing and add the kingdom. We want to seek our life, our way, our plan, my life, my money, my body, mine. I'll do what I want to with mine. And then I'm going to do this. I'm going to add the kingdom. Mm, glory to God. Get a whew, hallelujah spiritual. Come on. Add the kingdom. That ain't going to work. It's out of order. Anytime something's out of order, he's not the chief cornerstone, the thing falls. Doesn't last. It's not stable. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. And in the story today, these tenants killed this son. You know, each of us in this room, and I know this stuff ain't popular and fun and, and all that kind of stuff, but you know, each of us killed Jesus. Oh, the Romans did it. Okay. All right, I've heard that one. Well, the Romans did it. No, the people, no, no. no. We killed Jesus. Because the scripture says that, remember, he died for all. That all have sinned. All have done this. And it, th again, this continues to blow my mind as I think about this story. Now, if we heard this story, and, and I like Dateline. I think it's Dateline where the dude has the cool voice. The gray haired dude has slicks in the back. And I can't even do his voice. I wish I could do his voice, man. I would do his voice right now if I could do it. I can't even do it justice. But imagine him telling the story. I mean, this guy is speaking the story. And we wouldn't think it's strange if we heard this in this big scenario. They're trying to figure out what happened if this guy who owns this land, he sends forth and allows tenants to be a part of this land. And then he does this. He sends people to collect what's his. They beat and stone this person. And then he comes back and he sends another person and beats and stones this person. And then, and then we tell the story. And then he sends his son. make sense if, if, it was, if it was this way if it was the story was like so what he did was he busted up in there and, and kicked some tail took some names that makes sense he sent them to jail he done this he, 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 he come in there and he, he sued them and he took their money man that makes sense 
what if you heard the story and it went on something like this? He owns it all. He allows them to be tenants. They don't give back what's his. He sends his son. They die and give their life. His son dies for them. And then he does this. Instead of sending them to jail, sending them to hell, what he could do, he gives each of them the opportunity to do this. Be adopted into his family. We're going to put your name on the will. I'm going to give you my name and make you one of my children. Dude, that's a bestseller, man. It is. It's called the Bible. It's a bestseller. Biggest book ever sold, more than any other. And that's what happened for us. He comes in, and the story just amazes me in what Christ does for us, and he accepts us in. Go to Romans real quick. I'm going to close with this. Get ready to worship team. Go to Romans. Romans chapter 5. I think I gave you that. When you got it, say amen. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, For when we were still without strength, in due time, remember that season, it's this time frame that they're looking at, in this due time, Christ died for the ungodly. What? Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the wicked tenant. Christ died for those wicked husbandmen, those wicked vine dressers. Christ died for us. Think about it. Verse 7 says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. It might make a little more sense if they were given back. It would make a little bit more sense if, if they were honoring him and doing these things. But no, it said that scarcely would this happen. But God did this, verse 8. He demonstrates his love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. That means this. He knew everything you would do. He knew today how messed up we are without him. He knew today you would be in this room. And as a result, he did this for us. He sent his beloved son. Verse 9 says, Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. The text says in Luke, Luke um, 20 that that cornerstone, that chief cornerstone that this thing is built around and we have to center our life around, Scripture goes on to say this, that one day that stone will crush those that don't respond. Wow. That's hard. That's hard to grasp sometimes. 
that he would do this. But again, look at all the story. Look at all the patience that he had. Look at all the grace that was extended. Look at all the love. Look at all the opportunities. Look at every time he had tried to appeal and tried to get us to him and tried to get us to accept this. And then one day and one moment, they said that this will happen, that that thing will crush those. But here's the good news. Here's the gospel message. The son died for you. The son died because I needed him. And this is, all we have to do is this. We simply respond to what Christ did for us. Respond to that message. We accept that in this room. And some folks are in this room today. We come to church. We go through life. And we just kind of go through the motions or whatever. And we never really responded to that message in, in a true way. Never accepted it. And just truly believed and received that gift of grace that God did. He said this for us in verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by his life. We're saved by his gift. We're saved by his willingness to die, his willingness to take our place. Even though we were wicked vine dressers who rejected him and who deserved the wrath of God, God was patient with us and loved us and sent his very best for us. And all we have to do is receive that. Don't seem right, does it? That's why it's called good news and not just everything else you see on the news. It's the message of God's grace. Stand with me if you would. I want you to do this. I just want you to bow your heads for a moment. If you're in this room today, I, today I'm the, I'm the prophet. Again, I ain't trying to get no label, no title, but I'm the one who's coming declaring truth to you. I'm the one who's coming and spoken this message to you. What will you do with it? 